Greetings and felicitations. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Welcome back for another episode of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Uh, today is Saturday. This is the eve of Easter 2023. We are on the eve of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I am not ashamed to vent my faith. I hid it for so long. And now I'm ready to share. I'm trying to grow as a person, and you have to believe in something. You have to have faith. George Michael said it best. You got to have faith. John Lennon said it. The Beatles said it. Everybody has said that you have to have faith of some kind. To get you through this life. And what we're going to do at the beginning of the next block, I'm going to take you back almost 20 years to when I, a humble kid of the streets of San Antonio, by chance was able to go to Israel. I wasn't sure how things were going to go, but I will tell you, we'll get into it in a little bit. So we'll go back. We're also going to talk about the things that are going on in this time of strife across the world. And there may be times in the course of this episode that you hear me lose it simply because my faith overwhelms me sometimes and uh, I just lose. I just lose it. Okay. Just going to tell you straight up. So, thank you for listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. We'll get into it in just a little bit, but I will leave you now with the subtle tunes of one Billy Preston. And we are back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Uh, back in 2004, almost 20 years ago, I was working with a friend of mine on the radio. I was part of a radio program called The Chris Duell Show. I was his sidekick, his confidant, his second in command. In the process of the show, about 
oh, I want to say eight months in, there was talk of joining up with the Jewish Federation here in uh, in Texas. Uh, there's a group called the Jewish Federation here in San Antonio, which is run by a man by the name of Bruce Barshop, who we both worked for at the time when we were working at River Center Comedy Club. Now, there was talk of going and doing a show in, in from Israel. Uh, the show was called Voices from America, which was a show that was sponsored by the Jewish Federation. They liked the way Jew, uh, Chris and I worked together as both being former comics. We also had a different skew on things, on life in general. Uh, with Chris being a film uh, student graduate from USC, myself from being a veteran and uh, com comedian. So the talk continued, and yes, we were both going to go. I had to go get a passport. I'd never ever done that because I used my military ID back in those days. So we prepared for our trip. This was going to be a week long. We were going to go to various places in uh, Israel, all on the dole of the Jewish Federation. And then every night we were going to do a live radio show from the Jer Jerusalem Post, uh, the news local newspaper there in Jerusalem. And, uh, sorry. And, um, so it was kind of a whirlwind kind of deal that uh, we got ready to go and we headed out early uh, mid-October of 2004 and uh, made the trip to Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you, I'd never been to Israel. I've been to the Mediterranean uh, when, I was the, when I was a sailor and uh, we flew across the Atlantic on uh, Air Israel, and uh, we landed in Jerusalem. And I have to tell you, and you know what, I never really talked about this much. Nobody's ever really asked me. So if you listen to this podcast, you're going to hear it from me, from my perspective. From the minute we got there to the minute we left and got back to the United States, we touched down in uh, Israel. I think it was Ben Gurion Airport. I'm not, I don't really remember. Like I said, it's been 20 years. So we arrived in Jerusalem. We got off the plane. And we as we deplaned. I always have a tendency to be to let everyone get all, off first. I've always been like that. I try to be the last one to deplane. And as I was walking down the aisle of the aircraft, bidding farewell to the to the uh, flight attendants as they welcomed us to Israel, uh, came down, and as soon as my foot hit the tarmac, I kind of heard a voice in my head saying, you're not in Kansas anymore, Reuben. And we were in Israel, and just sitting one foot on the tarmac of that airport, I could feel the power of this land this land of my ancestors 
Yeah, I was probably a Jew in a former life. That's why nowadays I still consider myself part Jewish. I felt at home in Israel as much as one could, I guess. We made our way and got our luggage and then uh, made our way to our ride to take us to our hotel where we would check in. They kind of gave us the lay of the land, what our itinerary was going to be, and it was very, very busy. We were constantly on the move. And uh, right now, uh, I'm watching the Bible on the History Channel, and I'm relating to you my story. We arrived in Israel, and we had a dinner scheduled for later that evening with our hosts, we were there with a group of other people from the Jewish Federation. They do these trips periodically, and these people take gifts and other things to the children and people of Israel. We were going to meet a lot of them later, but we went back to our hotel rooms, got freshened up, and then went down for our dinner. Uh, it was my first time to eat totally Jewish food. And as, even though I was already in my 50s, I was uh, trying to be as open-minded as I could be to a lot of that food. And it was different. It was interesting. And uh, I enjoyed it. And then uh, we were done with dinner about 8 o'clock at night. They recommended that we didn't leave the hotel simply because, you know, Sometimes it can be dangerous being a foreigner in, in a foreign land. But I was used to it. I knew all the drills from when I was in the Navy. We were in for, entering foreign ports all the time overseas. So we got to our hotel rooms, and the best thing to do was to get a good night's sleep because we were having to get up at 5 in the morning to prepare for our itinerary. Our, our itinerary was very grueling. We were getting up at about 5, 6 in the morning, so that way we'd leave the hotel by 8 o'clock, go out and do what it is we needed to do, meet the people, groups we needed to meet, interview them, and then prepare our radio show afterwards. So we were up early in the morning, and then we were out and about across the Israeli lands. Uh, we went to a lot of the old places that uh, you know from the Bible. It's just so strange. And so we were there. And uh, one of the places that we saw was Capernaum, which is the place where Peter would build his church, where Jesus would build his church, the first church ever in Israel. We went to the Sea of Galilee, where my Lord for many of his miracles where my Lord calmed the waters and calmed the seas where he fed the multitudes and where he would set foot on the path that would take him from us that would lead him to his ultimate fate and I have to tell you, 
I was just overwhelmed by that place. The history, you know, the ground that we walked on was probably trodden on by Jesus. And it was just unbelievable how we could do all this. So anyway, we would go. Uh, sometimes we would travel the length of the, the state of, of Israel. And let me tell you something. Israel is not a very big country. It's only 50 miles long by about 30 miles wide. You can drive it in a, in a day. When we talk to the Israeli pilots, they can fly it in five minutes. If they're going in circles, they can fly around the entire country in five to ten minutes. That's how small that country is. They also showed us the uh, outskirts of Syria, Lebanon, and uh, Gaza. I've been to the borders of Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, where their enemies live. During the course of our journeys, we went to a place called well, it was a kibbutz in northern Israel. And I remember uh, they put us in this little cabin. I was on one side, Chris was on the other, two separate cabins with our own beds, which was comfortable. We finally had a, it was like going camping. And I remember outside my room, and they asked us to keep the curtains closed because there was a light shining in the distance and I remember going outside and there was one of our guides was there and I said hey what is that light he said that's a Hezbollah outpost and they're watching us so let no light escape your curtains because they may target you for a rocket attack needless to say I kept my lights off as well as the curtains closed that night he said that's how close we are to the terrorists he said terrorists can be can can abscond with a fuel truck, crash the border gates on the northern end, drive to Israel or drive to Jerusalem in less than an hour, and commit their acts of terrorism. That's how small that country is. We went to the West Bank. We went to the Dead Sea. We went to a university out in the, in the desert is called the Negev, the College of the Negev Desert. And it's just a university out in the middle of the desert. And we were headed out there to meet some of the students and some of the faculty. Uh, no, I have to tell you, it's one of the most unnerving things I saw is as we're going, driving around through the, through the, the downtown streets of Haifa, Jerusalem, and uh, Tel Aviv, Everybody's armed. There were two, I saw two old ladies, could have been my, my mother and her sister, walking down the street with their Gucci purse under one arm and an Uzi submachine gun under the other. And we asked our uh, guide, Gershon Prewir, who was a very knowledgeable man, and as we would find out later, was a member of the Mossad which is the Israeli CIA. He told us many things about his country. And when it came to the question of people who were armed, constantly armed, he asked us, well, he, he gave us a simple rule. 
the people in Israel made a choice. They could either A, live securely, or B, they could live freely, which meant retaliation from other groups who didn't like them. And he said, we made a decision to live securely. Restaurants had armed guards at the front of them. Nightclubs had several armed guards at the entrances, at every entrance. It was a very secure state. Nothing was going to happen. And I would find that out a few days later when we went to uh, Nazareth. And on the way back to Nazareth, we had to take a chopper back to Jerusalem in order to get back. We, we were doing live radio shows. And because of the time difference, our radio shows started at about, I think they started like at one in the morning and went through to about five in the morning. So that way the people were hearing our show from three to seven, at, like, it, like it was, was never, never, we never missed a beat. So we're doing our thing. We're meeting people. We're talking. They're telling us their views. And people are listening to us uh, broadcasting live from, from the Jerusalem Post. And we are tackling the, the big the big uh, stories that were happening. Now, one of the big things that happened for us, uh, Yasser Arafat, who was the head of Hamas, uh, a terrorist organization, became ill. And I was kind of given the task to follow his story as he was ill, fell ill, and they thought he was going to die. And they finally got him out of Israel to the United States where he would get treated in a hospital here. It turns out he had cancer, very aggressive, very late-stage cancer. And there was no hope for him. They knew he was going to die. And he didn't pass on our trip there. He would pass a few weeks later here in the United States. And everybody was on edge because they thought if he died, all hell was going to break loose. Fortunately, it didn't. So we did our, our bid for God and country. We did our shows. We learned a lot. I learned a lot, a whole lot about Israel that I didn't know. That the Israelis are very, very caring, very loving people. They love America. They love Americans. It's the Arabs that are the ones who are a little bit on the crazy side. But then again, each side, as I learned, each side has its fanatics. There are some who serve in with the Israelis who are very fanatical. And you kind of wonder, kind of makes you wonder sometimes. But anyway, we went to different areas, saw the Israeli military poised and prepared waiting, ready for anything. Now, let me get back to the story real quick. When we were in Nazareth, in Nazareth and we were coming back and they needed to get us back to Jerusalem ASAP, so we took a chopper at the local airports and we're in the helicopter. It was me, Chris Duell, and our two guides um, were flying back to Jerusalem. And then... Chris and I are talking when there's banter going back and forth and we're just cutting up and being silly and stupid. And then we hear 
Hebrews being spoken into to the to our pilot, and it didn't sound very good. And that's at that it was at, at that point the pilot told us all to shut up because he needed to pro provide the proper call sign to the rocket systems that had locked onto us. That's right. Everywhere we flew, we were being tracked. And uh, we we ran the risk of being shot down. And the pilot needed to talk back to the rocket operators to let them know we were okay. And that if he was off by, by so much as a word or a letter, they would have opened fire on us and taken us out of the sky. That's how serious they take this. When we met the pilots at the local air base and they told us they were prepared to fight didn't matter who the enemy was as long as they were told to, they were going to fight who they were told to fight one of the other things that was a standout for me is that on the road to Jerusalem from the airport along the route were different vehicles that were bombed and burnt out and we asked, what was that all about? He said, those were leftover remnants of the 67 war, the war of Yom Kippur. These were trucks that the Arabs drove up to take Jerusalem, that the Israelis shot, shot back at and took them out. And the Israelis decided to leave them there, not as trophies, but as a warning to anybody who would dare attack Israel that they were going to fight. And the Israelis, as I'm watching this program, still fight. They've been fighting 2,000 years. That's what struck me as the most interesting thing about my trip there. A lot of my faith was restored but a lot of questions came to pass because of the things that I saw. Now, as I do this report to you, I watch the news regularly. I try to keep up with the news. And uh, I see the strife going on. The thing that bothers me the most, I think, is that I see the same patterns happening now that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm seeing a man being persecuted on all sides because he's running for president again. And it seems the other side are trying to do whatever they can to knock him out. I'm not saying this man is Jesus Christ, but there's it's it's so the similarities are so <sighs> eerie that this is history repeating itself over again. You if you look at the news and you see that, that China is making treaties and practices with foreign countries that used to be our friends, Brazil. Mexico is clamoring to China now for help. And uh, 
I don't know. It's scary. It's scary. We get closer to World War Three every day. I don't know, my friends. It bothers me. When I see Jesus on the, on the screen, standing up to the Pharisees, to Caiaphas, and all those around him are watching him, trying to find a ways to take him out. Just like Donald Trump is being poised to be taken out. If something bad happens, I cannot guarantee anybody's safety. Not even my own. We are that close. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Stick around. Be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Well, after that last episode, got a little long. Uh, we were in Israel for a week, seven days. I saw a lot of things. I understood a whole lot more. Now, I have to be honest. This place really blew me away. So much to the point that when we flew back to the United States, I was completely wiped out. Excuse me, I'm getting ready to sneeze. So, now, everything just kind of sometimes just rolls into one big, long stream of consciousness and thought and lack of sleep. I mean, we were rocking almost 24-hour days with two to three hours of sleep a day before we had to get up, get breakfast, and get on the road to our next destination. Uh, one of the most surreal things was going to Masada, and then when we went to that college in the Negev Desert, by the time we got there on this long trip, they had just fired, Hamas had just fired rockets into the college, just trying to score whatever they could score, you know. When we got there, they took us to one of the uh, rocket strikes. They showed us the crater and what was left of the rocket. It was, a, it was known as a Katusha rocket, which was what they're still firing into Israel as of earlier today. And the Iron Dome that Israel has, courtesy of the United States, did its job and whacked out about half, over half of them before they even reached their targets. So the people of Israel sleep a little bit easier. Still, these guys are shooting missiles into into their homes. So, like I said, we were so just constantly on the go. Met so many people. They took us all over Israel. And when we flew back, 
I'm still excited from the trip. I didn't sleep on the way back. And this is how kind of out of it I was when we got to back to New York. Uh, Chris and I are in the terminal waiting on the next leg of our flight to bring us back to San Antonio. And I noticed that everybody had a costume on. I mean, we were in, in Kennedy Airport and we were walking around and there were astronauts, guys in astronaut uniforms passing us. Um, cats, clowns, you name it. Everybody was dressed like that. And I, I couldn't figure out what it had. It was just so, so very surreal. I was like, what the hell happened? Did Did everybody just go collectively nuts while we were gone? And then I realized it was Halloween. It was October the 31st. So that's how out of it I was. We hopped our flight, came back to San Antonio. And within a week, the following Sunday, we were at the Federation HQ, I guess you could call it, to have a debriefing, I guess you could call it, with members of the Jewish Federation that didn't get to go, that wanted to know what we we had seen. And in the crowd was a rabbi from the local parishes, I guess you could say. Not a very well-liked man, a little arrogant for my taste. And came to the questions of what, what our thoughts, our individual thoughts were. Well, I gave them what mine were which was pretty simple. You have peace through strength, but yet there are Arabs that want to make peace. And this rabbi just tried to rip me a new one right there in front of everybody. And I stood my ground. And I kind of told him off. Because at the end of our little lecture, a lot of the parishioners were coming up to me and telling me that you know, I handle the rabbi well. Obviously, he's not a well-liked man. You know, but then again, he's a rabbi. So after that, nobody really asked me anything. I mean, you know, I came back. I have a few stories. But, hell, even to the, to this day, my, my most of my family has never asked me questions about what I did over there. When I did come back, I was told that I was a veteran of Israel because I'd gone, I saw, and I came back. And one of the things they said that once you go back, you will come back again to Jerusalem. So I know that one day I will go back. I don't know when, but I will go back. And I will do my part again for king and country. So... If you got a question, you want to know something about Israel, ask, uh, you know, just hit me up on my Twitter account, Ben-Hur at T-C-C-I-N-D-Y, and ask me your question, and I will give you an answer. Now, remember, it's going to be according to what I see and feel, and based on my standing there, 
uh, one of the, and I guess I will have to do that in another block, one of the most, uh, I don't want to say out there, but one of the most interesting places that I went to was the uh, Yad Vashem, which is the Jewish Holocaust Museum. You will not believe the things that I saw there, the things that turned my stomach, turned my head, turned my heart. Which is why I say now I'm part Jew, because I I understand their pain and what they've suffered for 3,000 years, maybe longer. And, uh, you know, that's that with that, as they say. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll be right back with more.